Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fan, to winning ways, to laughter, to joy, to, to good feelings, something that maybe you've been absent in the last couple weeks on this uh, podcast, but but no need to you know get stuck up on that, Nick, Dan, joining me as always, you two, it's good to have you back, uh, I'm going to skip Dan because he just lives in a world of paradise, but Nick, I mean, there's got to be something else going well for you. St. Patty's Day was pretty fun. Um, didn't didn't get after it like I like I used to uh, due to just general old age. But um, turn thirty, but man, was, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> body starts falling apart. Hangovers last longer. Uh, but it was good. It was good to have a, a late kickoff today. So for once, the schedule worked out in our favor, Dan. A late kickoff and an extended outing, so that if you were out and about with friends, you you had more opportunity to to take in another one uh, or two beverages at that time too. 
Well, no iTunes reviews, no new Patreon members, unfortunately, but we did get some love on Facebook, so we're just going to kind of trade it in, you know, because we're missing those. So Reed on Facebook says, no question this week, uh, just praise for the lads to respond after a bad couple weeks and take the game on away grounds. Uh, Character win, up the blues, happy pod to listen to tomorrow. Uh, maybe not even an f bomb. I mean, read. Like, come on now. <laughs> it could be a. Can, happy can we F-bomb, restrain Nick correct? for sixty minutes? Is the real question. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, there there could be when we talk about a certain midfielder uh, some some uh, some negative comments. But other than that, I think we'll be all right. I refuse to let you talk about N'Golo like that. So uh, <laughs> let's, <Come> go, <laughs> let's go ahead and just jump right in. Obviously, kicking it off is our uh, shout out to World Soccer Shop. Uh, nothing special here, Dan. Again, just a reminder about our code because I don't know if it's going to be around a lot longer. Well, that, that's a sad thing to say. But we do have a <laughs> wonderful code with our friends at worldsoccershop.com. It's London Pod. It's a 10% off discount code that you can use on any of your purchases. And I think as we reminded everybody last time, Nick, it's not just Chelsea gear can be used on. You can use it on some new cleats, um, maybe some new shorts you need. Uh, Yeah, I think socks. They sell socks too. Yeah, that's right. Pretty much anything on their site, Dan. That's uh, worldsoccershop.com, London pod, all one word, 10% off. Do it. Yeah, unfortunately, no need to uh, get any World Cup gear for us Americans this summer. So, uh, anyways. Why? Why always? Why always with you and the, and the taunting of me there? Why? I'm in the same boat. We're on the same team here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, here we go. Leicester City was the match review. It was the FA Cup quarterfinals. So, winner of this one gets to go uh, to Wembley, home of the Spurs. Uh, we were at the King Power Stadium away day. And from the looks of it, it was quite cold out there. Even other parts getting quite a bit of snow in England. Uh, But thankfully, the Blues 2, Foxes 1. So, Nick, we had so many score predictions that were right this week. Jay, uh, the guy behind the score prediction game every single week, he got one right after how many posts? (laughs) Ian, Ugo, Mark, Ahmed. I mean, we were just handing these out, Nick. It was a missed opportunity on our part, clearly. Uh, you know, I went on the uh, on on Stanford Chidge's new radio show on Friday, and and was asked to predict the score. And if you go back and listen to this, it's it's actually on your. Uh, it should be on like Love Sport Radio or something. I predicted two one win. So, uh, you know, while we're handing out awards, why don't we why don't we pass one my way? Yeah, it didn't happen. Oh, it just ran. It out. Actually, did no. It's, I promise. It's it's on there. It just. Go, go look at it. Mm-hmm. That's too much work. All right, Dan. Well, let's just go ahead and run us into the lineup. Obviously, a lot of discussion about what was going to happen. What was Conte going to do after Barcelona? Resting a lot of players, maybe switching out an in-form keeper, f- you know, for the out-of-form keeper who, you know, shall not be named. But anyways, uh, what did Antonio Conte go with uh, after the match midweek away to Barcelona? Yeah, Antonio Conte gives uh, Thibaut Courtois a day off to ice the boys while Willie C comes in. Rudiger Christensen <laughs> and Azplaqueta in front. Victor Moses, Alonso, Conte, Bakayoko from nowhere out of left field <sighs> comes into the starting 11. And uh, he had Eden Hazard, William, and Murata up top. So 
uh, more reminiscent, I think, Nick, of a lineup that we would have seen uh, maybe outside of Caballero earlier in the season when Bakayoko was uh, a bit of a first name on the team sheet. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was certainly surprising to those who had who had watched him play in the last uh, in the last few outings that he's had. But um, but other than that, it, you know, I think it was a perfect opportunity to get Murata back in. Uh, it was it was really uh, it was good to see Willie C get a chance as well. So I mean, other than that, I think it was a pretty solid lineup. You know, Courtois hasn't played in the Cup. Obviously, it's been the, the Willie C show. I mean, he didn't even make the bench, but, it, you know, it's pretty normal. I think that, you know, Conte is probably just easy to tell Courtois, like, hey, we're just going to continue the way we've been doing. Enjoy just the weekend off, not having to worry about it. Um, I was more surprised at the wingbacks. I was surprised that both of them played again after such an intense match midweek. Uh, I thought that at least Zappacosta would get in. Emerson's probably, he's just not trusted by Conte enough. Um, but I thought the team showed pretty good energy overall. I mean, with, with the lineup that we had, um, obviously we'll, we'll get into you know some of the standouts and some of the lowlights. But again, N'Golo Conte and Alonso for me just absolutely bossing it two two matches in a row loved loved seeing that from those guys yeah it was uh it was pretty tremendous i i think the energy expelled in this match even uh, extended uh, what they did against barcelona um it's a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little bit of a smaller pitch i should say so uh just a lot a lot going on there uh we can get into the wing back performance as well yeah, for sure. Obviously, Chelsea getting back up uh, in possession, finally, finally taking that over, and um, you know, taking it to the game. But uh, let's just go ahead and jump into this one. Obviously, so with the goals coming right off the top, obviously the first one um, after plenty of chances, uh, Morata finishing off a great through ball by William. You know, Nick, I, I put this in the thread. I was almost more impressed with the the pass from William than the actual finish for Morata. I, I think you have to be uh, equally impressed, uh, given Morata's form, that he was able to uh, side net from uh, from that far out. It was it was a tremendous finish. Uh, Williams' breakaway speed is just something else. I mean, it is it is truly something to watch. Someone who's running side by side with him just get left in the dust, and then you know to put that ball on a plate from Morata to. Uh, run through and not not mess it up um, is is tremendous. So really excited uh, for Murata here, Dan. I think this was something that uh, we were all waiting for, uh, and and he certainly looked relieved <laughs> to to have scored. Yeah, thank goodness. And I think all of us were very excited for him to score as well, considering the amount of flack he would have gotten if he had gone another game where he had maybe done something like pick up a yellow card and not score. So uh, not even caution in this match, too, which is uh, another wonderful highlight for the uh, Spanish striker. It's funny on Facebook, uh, Reed said that um, essentially looked like Murata was about to cry for that goal. And I, I let them know that I did cry for him because I was I was so happy that he finally broke it, <laughs> broke his streak. Um, almost cried again here at the 76 minute. Uh, Jamie Vardy <laughs> poaching a goal, Dan. Just unreal amount of just blocked shots. Uh, you know, Willie flopping around like a fish out of water, trying to get his hands on things. It's just... It just did not end well, obviously, for Chelsea. 1-1. It was a bad goal. It was a really bad goal to concede. 
and try as uh, Rudiger or Azpilicueta or <laughs> any one of the other players that were in the box trying to clear it out, there was just no desire for that ball to go anywhere other than the back of the net in that moment. And credit to you know Lester for that. They came back out into the second half and really just put their you know foots down and tried to assert some dominance over the game and force Chelsea to play uh, kind of on their half of the pitch. And they'd done a really nice job making that happen. And you know when you kind of net some passes out and they can't even make it past the halfway you know halfway line, you know when you're trying to make a clearance, it's just going to allow them an easier time to counter and to press. And, you know, it really was a systemic failing of the entire team in that moment. I think it's not really a, it was a team goal to concede in that moment. You know, I, I was a little worried because again, an extra time, pretty much the exact same sequence happened, but thankfully Chelsea were able to keep it out. And then obviously Nick, uh, the very unsuspecting hero off of a header, Pedro, uh, coming up big in the, in the extra time, obviously 105th minute, right before Pawson blew for halftime of extra time. Yep. Uh, so N'Golo Conte, uh, indeed can pass the ball uh puts it on a plate uh in kind of no man's land for casper schmeichel to come out pedro gets there early gets the header in was actually pretty brave if you if you looked at this on the on the replay that he almost got his um his collective shit rocked um if uh if schmeichel was there just a half second earlier so uh this was a a really a needed goal i i mean the guys had, had fought really hard in the second half and produced very little. And it was just a, a moment of magic from two players that, you know, if, especially on the assist part from N'Golo Conte and, and Pedro finally coming back around to some sort of form uh, to score. And Dan might have had the celebration of the season with the uh, Haya karate kick. Yeah, uh, his short man FC delivered uh, five, six assists to five, seven attacker with the cross to a header and then the uh the the high kick to the corner flag which you know probably broke william's heart because you know he 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 has a love affair with the corner flag and pedro uh man he he wrecked that flag pretty bad but got really got really high in the air i love the photo obviously circulating social media dan you used it for the uh the question graphic uh yeah little man's got hops he's he's got springs in those legs so uh, as we kind of look at the player ratings and just how everyone did uh the man of the match was indeedy for lester at an 8.2 and second highest rated player was conte at an eight that just shows you what kind of a match this was i mean right dan that like the two defensive midfielders uh <laughs> came came highest on the stat sheet Wait, wait, wait. They, they said that Conte was like an eight? Yes. That is, that is, that is yeah. They, you know, we're, we're going to break the F here. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Did, uh, that did was, you watch him play? That was, it was a 10. It was, well, this gets, it, this gets into stats again because Ndidi had 10 tackles and they said and Conte only had one tackle. All right, whatever. Yeah, I think this is one of those like eyeball tests where you have to, you know, I think stats help produce like a story and tell a narrative, right? But ultimately, there's also the ability to watch the game and take it in. And that man, if that was a homicide scene, which it was because Lester got, you know, killed at the end of it, 
Angola's thumbprints would have been all over. It would be the easiest, like, shutdown case of the century because the, the DNA evidence was there. Like, he, he absolutely bossed that pitch for the full extent of the game and then in extra time. And I completely reject the idea that N'Golo Conte was anything less than a 10 on the day. Well, uh, we do have some evidence known as heat maps here online, so we can uh, send those out to you. But, you know, like the narrative again is just the fact that that's the kind of day it was, was that, that the hard tackling, breakup play midfielders were the ones that were shining, not necessarily the attacking players. I mean, Mares was a 6.7 out here today. Um, you're seeing and Hazard was a 7.1, which is probably a bit of a gift on the day. It just that, that just kind of frames up how this match went. I know that you know, the conditions probably played a big part into it. Um, you know, William wearing tights that uh, was visibly freezing unless you're Aspie who, and Moses who are out there in shorts and, and, and just short sleeve jerseys. Um, but the wind played a big factor as well. So I just, you know, think that that kind of, you know, it summed up the day a little bit. But, you know, Dan, we have been starting out the last few pods with a lot of heavy hitters, you know, digging deep, asking the spiritual questions, you know, inflecting on the season, wondering what's the meaning of life. But we're, we're going to settle in a little bit. Well, we're going to go with a, more of a layup this time. Uh, what would you think of the match overall, especially since it is a fantastic uh, cup tournament to try to, you know, get a shiny piece of silver this season. I think it could be a springboard match. And I say that in understanding that it wasn't one in 90 minutes, which was unfortunate. And it's against a, a lesser side that under Puel is, is playing uh, better than Shakespeare had them playing at the end of his run with Mares. Uh, locked back in to playing football and uh, re-emerging from his grand disappearance. And I think it's the type of thing that hopefully helps to galvanize the squad and brings them together and helps them understand what it is that they're capable of doing within the last few months here, especially with the run at winning the FA Cup, uh, opportunity to still claim top four and playing two of the sides that are competing for those spots as well in the remaining set of matches. Nick, I think that this is the perfect opportunity after crashing out of the Champions League to rebuild from this particular instance. It'll it'll be very interesting to see uh, the approach that Chelsea take um, the rest of the season uh, with, you know, kind of having the two targets still in, in you know, kind of plain sight. I do think the match today was really important for for two reasons. One would be that it required a tremendous amount of gutting it out for this team, a team that has been not as mentally strong uh, or resilient as teams in the past that we've had. And I think today was a really good opportunity for them to showcase some fight. You know, Leicester are a team who love a good fight. So this was, uh, to me, a very uh, a good opponent. You know, who, the opponents who's going to hit you back and see what you're made of. And I think Chelsea are, you know, still have that higher level of quality that pushed them over the line. Uh, th- I would say the second reason that this was an important result is because it got a couple of players, Maratza and Pedro specifically, who have really, really struggled uh, since the uh, since the December uh, transfer window, a chance to 
shine again to get off the schneid and they did and it's really important because those are two players going into the match that i don't think any of us were counting on to get us over the line so uh, it shows that it's not just hazard or william more importantly uh, or or Giroud who who can score. It's you know these auxiliary players like Morata and uh, and Pedro who you know have a chance to create some real competition uh, for for Chelsea again. And boy, we need that because moving forward, there are a ton of really great opportunities for Chelsea to end the season on a high ish. And uh, and yeah, so I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of the fight today. Yeah, it was really good to see. I mean, the energy levels really didn't drop off, which I thought was great to see. Um, it's kind of weird. I thought our left side was pure class versus our right side, um, which is kind of weird to to have something so you know unbalanced, you know, in that sense. But um, you know, I think the fight thing and and, and continuing to overcome adversity, uh, adversity. Um, was a big thing that we got to see today. But Nick, um, what about William? Obviously, he's on a heck of a run right now. Um, do you think he's going to be our player this season again? Uh, it's kind of funny. I was texting with Eric, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and he was saying, why does William tend to be our best player in seasons where we underperform? Is that just because he's always at this kind of this, you know, like B plus level, but when everyone else drops below, then he stands out. But if we're playing really well, you miss him. Um, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? And William? I think, I think William has changed his game over the years. Uh, so he was a, a really dynamic number 10 at Shakhtar. And since moving to Chelsea he has had to play a lot of different roles. Um, I think we all are still intrigued to see what he could do as more of a central midfielder type. Um, you know, maybe as he grows a little bit older and uh, speed isn't as much of a factor in his game uh, as it is right now, that that's a position he could play. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a really interesting question from Eric um, because yeah, the team has not shown up this year. And I think maybe maybe the better scenario is if Eden Hazard and William are, are both playing at the top of their games, uh, who who is the more standout player, quote unquote? I think they're, you know, you're comparing a like for like, you know, kind of talent. And I think Hazard just has a higher ceiling. But in seasons where maybe the team isn't doing as well and, and we're not front running as much, I think William might have the better attitude. And and that's that maybe just it's a difference in mentality type of thing where, I, you know, William's out there having fun uh, regardless, even when he's getting terribly tackled from behind and, and there isn't a foul called. Um, so anyway, I, th- I think there is maybe just a mentality gap. And uh, he, he is a he's a really, really good player. You know, we, we all want his end product to be a little bit better. Um, and, and certainly in the second half of the year, he's come on, Dan. But that's just my that's just my take on this. I don't know if you would give him player of the year for the, the first half performances of the season. I think definitely in the 2018 calendar year, he's definitely turned it on and, and added a level of sauce to his end product that's made it oh so tasty. But I'm not sure, you know, who, I'm honestly not even sure who I would say is the player of the year. I mean, I think there were parts of the year where you probably would have put 
Christensen up, but obviously he's had a couple of uh, unfortunate mistakes that's kind of, uh, you know, maybe changed the definition of his season. You know, Gold Conte is so consistent and you know, offers up a really strong performance as well. Marcus Alonso has lifted some games out of out of a hat like a rabbit, and he's just I'm I'm you know kind of shocked in the way that he's kind of played. But there's times where he gets shredded and, and leaves a really 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 tough situation for whoever is backing him up on left hand side, whether it's Cahill or Rudiger. So. I mean, I think the larger answer to the question is I, I don't necessarily know if if he's the player of the season. I think that will really be defined by in this quest for the FA Cup and in this quest for a top four finish, uh, is he going to be the player that consistently stands up? And, and right now it looks like that. Uh, it looks like it also could be Marcus Alonso. It looks like it could be N'Golo Conte. And I'd say those are probably the three biggest candidates right now for a uh, player of the season award for uh, for Chelsea players, Brandon. Well, William uh, will turn 30 this coming August, so right before the upcoming season, and he has a contract through 2020. So, you know, thankfully, I don't think we really need to worry about that, um, you know, and, and anything along those lines. He'll be around. He came out in the press somewhat recently saying he was extremely happy with Chelsea, wanted to, you know, see out his contract. And as someone who doesn't really talk in the media, uh, it came across as really genuine to me, at least in my eyes. So, uh, again, super excited that uh, we are getting to see such a great version of William. But I really want to echo what Dan said. Uh, one of the announcers in the last couple games said, this is something he's been doing for the last 16 or 18 matches. I don't think so. Like, it is very much a 2018 thing, maybe a little bit in December, but a uh, real slow start. We didn't have any attacking options outside of Hazard on the wings when we started, which is why we went to the 3-5-2 in the first place. Uh, but again, you know, not to, you know, bury the player under all of that, because as we can see, um, he is coming and kind of catching his second wind. And what a great time for such a dynamic player to be in, in top form as we need the absolute most uh, chasing top four uh, got a great draw in that fake cup today and you know it's it's just really good to see and hopefully we can get some of that out of our other players as well as we continue to um, you know close out this season on a high note but unlike William what if anything because potentially there's nothing here uh, is up with Hazard lately so the question is is this an insight into how he feels towards Conte or the club, or is it just a dip in form that pretty much every single player goes through during a season? I mean, Nick, from from you kind of watching his body language and, and you know some of the big game performances we haven't really seen that we wanted to, um, do you kind of lean one way or the other as far as why Hazard's maybe not in top form right now? Yeah, I, I think it's it's very frustrating, and it has to be frustrating for him too. Uh, so, I, like, I, I'm not trying to bury him here. I, I won't comment on his mentality because I don't. I honestly don't know what his mentality is. I, I would find it hard if I was him as a competitor to go out there and give fifty percent. So, I don't think I don't think that's it. Although, you know, for for those who were at the pub with me this morning in, in Kansas City, I think the the thing that I look to and, and the thing that has been brought up to us on our show before is his distinct uh, lack of caring tracking back. You know, I think one of the things that Antonio Conte prides uh, his entire team on is just work rate and hustle. And if it's not your day offensively, then impact the game somewhere else. 
And he, you know, there, there were moments today where he was just walking around, you know, and I'm not saying that everyone has to have Williams motor and, and just be able to sprint for 90 minutes up and down or in Golo Conte's tackling ability or anything like that. But unfortunately, effort's not a thing that you can fake. And so on the defensive end, I was really bummed that, you know, if he wasn't having another great day offensively, that he uh, would have at least seemed or pretended to care more on the on the defensive side. Uh, he just wasn't very good today, Dan. He hasn't been very good for, um, I don't know, maybe about seven matches now, six, seven matches. Uh, mm. he, he's definitely not played up to what his standard is, but I, I mean, you know, whether it be, you know, I think the Chelsea in America group tweeted back at us afterwards, um, with our image, someone I think made a question about hazard and they said, uh, you know, something about being like really like, you know, infuriated or frustrated or kind of really concerned right now, but they used a capital R for real. Um, believe obviously to draw the connection to uh, Madrid but uh, I'll tell you the only players that Real Madrid are going to want to go after uh, this season based on current form is you know Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne uh, and you know the now injured Harry Kane so um, if we were looking to keep Eden Hazard uh, his current performances will uh, help make that a little easier but uh, it's just it's odd and I think the hard thing is you can't ascribe it to is it uh, an injury that we don't know about um, because he's always going to be first on the team sheet with Antonio Conte here. He's not going to get uh, really a game off in any competition where it's up against uh, you know, sizable competition. And it could be, it could be contract related. It could be uh, an issue of being unhappy with, you know, having been played in the, the, the nine kind of capacity for a couple of matches and, you know, only now getting a Murata or a um, Drew in to kind of play off of. I mean, it, it just, it's, I don't know. It, it's hard to answer the question without knowing all the details and the specifics. And I think it's where you know he's capable more. And I think that that's probably the most frustrating piece. Well, I think Hazard did a pretty good job tracking back towards the end of the match today. Once we got into uh, towards the end and then especially once we had our lead in, in extra time. Um, I thought I saw those orange boots fly back a few times. I mean, he's not going to do anything when he tracks back, right? Like he's not going to put in a tackle or anything, but you know, at least close down the space on you. You know, I don't really, I, if he wants to complain about playing false nine, I'm not really interested in hearing it because December, he was the one saying that he could do it and that football should be played with the ball on the ground. They don't need to hit it up to a big target man. Uh, that those are his quotes. That was what he said he wanted to play, and then we didn't need to go sign someone. But you know, at the end of the day, that that clearly just was not an option going forward. That Chelsea's really, really needed uh, someone who could play with their back to goal, hold up the ball, and uh, let those creative players like him and William and Pedro run off him. So again, I I, I don't think so. So at Rono Koki asked, has Hazard got one foot out the door? I don't think so because I think that there's still a consistent level of effort. Um, it may not be the same dazzling performances that we've seen out of him, which consistency has always been the thing. But I think he's still putting the same amount of effort out that he was last season when things were going well. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. 
I don't know about that. You know, and, and if it's effort, maybe his efforts levels the same, but the outputs are, are just different. Right. Oh, and for sure. The, you know, there, there, there seems to be a distinct lack of, um, ability to shoot on target right now, or at least in the last few matches, like not to kill him. He's obviously, I think been our best player on the whole season, uh, perhaps, but, it's not right. Like what we're looking at is not the best of Eden Hazard. We don't have to tiptoe around that. He he can be much better than he is. And and I hope that, especially going into these last couple of matches, that uh, he he's able to rekindle uh, some of that fire and and hopefully put us head and shoulders above Spurs or Liverpool or or Southampton. You know, in in the in the cup. So. Yeah, and I think that's also what Brit underscore Mo underscore G was saying on Instagram as well. Why didn't you feel like shooting? I, I'm sure that it's not a matter of ah, just not feeling it today. Just, you know, for whatever reason, he's not seeing the opportunities like we do on the TV. But anyways, um, anything else you guys want to talk about with this match? I know it's a little, you know, a little more cagey, not as exciting or open as we, we wanted to. Not as many headlines to talk about. But, you know, to be fair, open it up, Dan, if there's anything else you want to touch on. Well, we did get a fair number of social media questions in relation to the performance of uh, Bakayoko and uh, maybe Victor Moses. And uh, we will tackle those uh, after or in the social media question section. So I'll leave my thoughts to that point. Fair enough. On the foreshadowing, Nick, anything else that stood out spectacularly <laughs> that you do want to talk about? Uh, um. No, okay, yeah. The the only thing I would point out is is when Gary Cahill came on to the pitch, he he told Dave to keep the armband, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, Dave Dave has been captain for the last few matches, and I think it was just a really cool symbolic thing, even if it meant nothing uh, in in reality. But you know, it's nice. You know, I think John Terry did that with Cahill last year, and and it's just. One of those deals that I think there's a huge amount of respect between those two players, so that's that's good to see. Oh, absolutely. And Andy hasn't always done that, so that that was nice. All right. Um, I actually wanted to bring up one thing, and it wasn't about the match. It's actually the kind of pre- and post-match press conferences of late. Uh, all of a sudden, they're not completely directed at Conte's future, so... I don't know if that's because things aren't as so bad that that's what they're worried about. Maybe they found another narrative somewhere else. Um, we're actually like just talking about the matches these days. Um, I don't know if they've been tipped off that the club has said like, hey, no need to talk about it. Like Conte's off in the summer. Let's just get on with it. Or why, I don't like why would the mood have changed, Nick, all of a sudden? I mean, these were like rabid wolves attacking Conte every single moment they had. And now all of a sudden... Maybe because Chelsea like showed enough like guts against Barca. I don't know. I I think it was because I said on this podcast last week that we weren't going <laughs> to talk about it anymore, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm not saying More we should power talk about than it. the entire Chelsea <laughs> media relations department. Nick Verlaney, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just surprised the media's changed their questioning. So, all right. Anyways, uh, that's all I've got. But Dan, go ahead and run us through the man of the match poll. Um, given my uh, outburst <laughs> question mark earlier, uh, no surprise. The if you screw up the answer to this man in the match poll, there is no hope for you. There were two options: it was Angola Conte and mandatory second option. Four uh, percent <laughs> of the planet is going to be eradicated. Um, not like Thanos, 
breaking off 50%. Because um, 4% selected mandatory second option, while 96% selected N'Golo Conte, which was uh, absolutely the correct answer. <laughs> I mean, any argument is Mandatory Nick, second right? option. That was, you can't that was you good. can't create a poll with one question. Okay, so <laughs> you, you have to give a second option. The funny thing with well, but at go ahead. I say at the Justin Carey tweeted us and said click, he clicked mandatory second option just to see what the percent of other people who clicked it was. So that that's that's why he clicked it. To be fair, <laughs> and same thing at Chelsea Eric underscore. Can we find out who this three percent is? <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, you, I mean, you you know who the three percent is. They're they're made up of contrarians and and people who who didn't understand how good Ingolo Conte was today. But uh, it's all in good fun. Dan Dan likes to have fun with these, so don't take it too personally. Yeah, speaking of people who knew how good Ingolo Conte, John on Facebook saying how much of a difference does an inform Ingolo Conte make? My goodness, the man is a machine. Put him in at striker, and he's likely to nick the ball off the keeper for a tap in. And then same thing with <laughs> Zubin underscore Conte really on Instagram saying like just that. how good is Conte? Fire emoji. Uh, yeah, no arguments there. Uh, announcers, uh, fans on Twitter, all the way around, just. Massive amount of praise for Angolo, and I love his tweet after the matches. He just says um, something as basic as like, "What a great emotion to be in the semis." <laughs> yeah, yo, yo, it's it's Thanks, just Angolo. it's just all about it's the simplicity, it's the haircut, it's the no nonsense. Yo, I'm pumped. I'm on to the next thing. Time to recover the end. Seriously, like, I, that's. Everyone Clearly a, a founder of the cult of minimalism, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, just amazing. instead of the table standings, this is a cup competition. So we are on to the semifinal fixtures. And there was a draw right after the match, Nick. Hashtag warm balls. Hashtag agent check. Hashtag <laughs> agent Zola. Am I right? I mean, look at this draw. So for the first, and mark it down, uh, it is March 18th of 2018. For the first time in, in uh, our season, we got a little lucky. <laughs> Luck broke our way. Uh, Agent Shaq, Agent Zola, um, smiling into the camera as they, as they signaled a Manchester United-Tottenham semifinal, uh, which is uh, the best possible scenario. For, for Chelsea, because Chelsea then, Dan, was, was drawn against Southampton, who dispatched of Wigan earlier in, in the day. So uh, Chelsea clearly got the, the better draw. Uh, however, I will, I will say this. It's a semifinal at Wembley. Every, it didn't matter if there was a, a, a League Four side in here. Uh, everyone is going to be playing their absolute tails off. So... Hypothetically, the, the matchup looks better, but I'm throwing that out there just so that bad juju doesn't come back to us. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair thing to say, Nick. And, you know, when you're going up against a championship side like Southampton, uh, you know, a feeder club to Liverpool, you know, you have to have these type of thoughts and uh, make those type of uh, statements to make sure it doesn't come bite you in the rear. But uh, I think we should mop the floor with Southampton uh, and uh, plan on a trip to the the final. I mean, I thought for sure we would get Spurs again. And and then even not, I'm like, okay, fine. I guess we can settle with United and Mourinho, but I somehow avoided both of those, uh, which is great. But like you said, you just can't overlook it because 
um, you know, this is even a bigger opportunity for Southampton in their, their terrible season uh, than it is for us. So anyways, uh, dates and kickoffs will be announced later. So let's go ahead and move on to social media questions as well. Um, as always, Nick, uh, World Soccer Shop has home and away kits on sale. I actually put this on our Instagram story. It's just a great opportunity. Yeah. So if you're looking for a, a kit, maybe an FA Cup uh kit for the end of the year um home kits and away kits so the blue and the white are 59.99 uh third kits are 69.99 so just just the ten dollars more uh with our london pod code london pod code there it is um you can get 10 percent off so uh go get yourself some customization take some money if if, you know if you've if you've met the shipping threshold then you don't have to worry about shipping but if you didn't you use that for shipping it's all good worldsoccershop.com london pod is the code do it Awesome. All right. Well, question time. We had a really, really tough one from Mark on Patreon. So I'm going to ask it, not necessarily because I expect any of us to have answers, especially as Americans, uh, but mainly see if we can get a crowdsourced answer on this one. So he asked, what will be the impact of Brexit on Chelsea and the rest of the Premier League? So I'm happy to open it up, Nick and Dan, if you guys are huge in uh, keeping up on Brexit relations <laughs> to the Premier League. Uh, but if not, I would invite our fans to get in touch uh, and, and, and help educate us. We'd love to share that answer. I would recommend that uh, we we point Mark in the direction of Jake Cohen, who is a, a friend of the show and has been on a few times and we'll probably be seeing when we head over to London for our uh, trip to watch the Spurs uh, lose at Sanford Bridge. But uh, legal expert that he is has kind of highlighted a couple of things in the past that would happen if Brexit were to go through. And a couple of those are related to uh, things like work permits, which uh, may or may not be the reason why Chelsea has gone after uh, potentially English players at the moment, uh, you know, not knowing what type of what type of work visas may or may not be provided. And then also uh, signing youth talent potentially would be another area where uh, English teams would be affected, especially if they can't have the same rights guaranteed to them that the other uh, European Union sides have from a ability to sign uh, 16-year-olds kind of with the future into 18, uh, whereas you know Chelsea then and the rest of the Premier League would be forced to wait until um, they were potentially 18, which would be a, a huge difference. And uh, you would see you know, clubs in Germany and France uh, continue to grow in their power and in their scouting and sourcing networks. So just a couple of things that at least I'm aware of. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts too, Nick. This was something that Dan Levine brought up on our show too. So I want to give him credit as well. I think the of the two things, you know, the work permits being obvious for senior level players, but the the youth signings is going to be a massive thing. You know, you think about if Chelsea is is heading in the direction which we think they are of, you know, really trying to promote academy players into the first team, and some of these academy players are are not British, then we're going to have, and it's going to be an interesting time for that. Uh, I also do think that. You know, outside of Brexit, that the European Union and uh, perhaps even the uh, independence of Catalonia and Barcelona and that kind of whole situation is going to be impactful. It's going to be a very interesting couple of years for European football, although I would say this. 
and I'm sure Jake is, has had his piece on this as well. Uh, follow the money, you know, wherever the money is, I'm sure they're going to figure out a way for UEFA and for all of the, all of the top six leagues to figure out uh, a decent you know workaround for some of these uh, pending legal changes. So, don't I, I wouldn't sweat this too much yet because I don't feel like people want to lose a bunch of money and or lose a bunch of transfer fees and or player deals or whatever. So I'm not freaking out too much, but I can understand why the club would want to be preparing for uh, what seems like an inevitable uh, kind of fate. Well, a lot more insight than what I expected. Well done, you two. Um, we do. We aim to surprise you, Brandon, on a weekly basis. Trust me, you do on, on many different levels. But <laughs> we do have a question from Yappa. We're keeping the train rolling. I love these audio questions. So if you want to leave us a voice message and uh, ask your question there, just head to our website, londonisbluepodcast.com forward slash questions. Here is one from Kendall. Hey, what's going on, guys? Definitely good to get a win today. Wasn't the cleanest win, but it was still good to get a win and advance in the FA Cup. But uh, my quick question for you is, how do you see the rest of this season playing out? Do we win out? Do we make top four? Minus the FA Cup, how do you guys see the rest of this season? Take it easy, guys. Awesome. All right. Well, Dan, what do you think? Um, we kind of talked about this before as far as uh, the season you know, is going to wind down. Obviously, we talked about how massively important we think top four is, obviously. Yeah, especially when you saw this past week the financials for what teams earned from the, the Champions League. And uh, for this season, Chelsea uh, kind of drew the most revenue. Um, part of play, you know, placing first overall within the league was a big, big proponent of that. Um, we need to win out. Uh, we we get uh, chances to play against uh, Liverpool and Tottenham, which are are outside of the Southampton and then either United slash Tottenham match at Wembley. Um, those two games are probably the most. They will define the remainder of the season for us. Uh, if we can't win those two, in addition to matches against Swansea and Huddersfield and West Ham and, and Burnley, um, we we will be in a very bad shape and finish outside the top four. And uh, I don't know if you see it differently, Nick, but uh, we, we I think we pretty much have to win out. Or at that point, you're banking on a whole lot of luck, and that is not the right way to kind of go about this. Uh, yeah, like like we said last week, uh, the we don't control our own destiny anymore. Uh, so the the only thing that we can focus on as as Chelsea fans is is winning the matches that are in front of us. We can't control you know Spurs or Liverpool, although you know beating them does give us a little bit of a, of a handle on what's going on because it would be nice to take points away from them. But if you look at the the form of the other teams in the league outside of United, everyone's playing better than we are. They're scoring more goals. They're not letting in stupid goals. And, you know, Chelsea are going to have to take the level up to 11 uh, to close out the year and finish top four. I am not optimistic. I, I, I think you guys probably know that by now. I, I just I don't know if Chelsea are going to be able to find a level that they haven't found since Atletico away uh, for nine matches or eight matches to finish out the rest of the year. And so 
you know, I hope it happens genuinely. I hope that Hazard just goes on a tear and that Murata starts scoring again and that, you know, Williams able to continue his streak and that Fabregas and Drinkwater are able to find some sort of rotation that allows Ingolo Conte to not have to play four positions every match and on and on and on. But these players have not proven that they're capable of that level consistently. So that's my that's my big scare. I would say to that point, I think the more likely of the two to drop out is Spurs. And the reason I say that is they have a match against us and they have a match against Man City left in the league. And so right there, you know, you would look at six points in just those two results. We would be a point ahead. Uh, And if both teams then won out the remainder of the games, we would have eked out the tightest of top four finishes uh, that we might remember for the Blues in recent memory, but uh, Liverpool do not have uh, a difficult game remaining on their schedule um, outside of their uh, their Champions League matches, um, and then against us in the second last game of the season. You know they play Stoke, they play West Brom, they play Bournemouth, Everton, um, Palace. Uh, you know there's not a ton of talented teams left for them to go after. I you know to be I. <laughs> I like the teams we have left. I mean, super possible to, you know, take max points outside of Tottenham and Liverpool. And then seeing how the season goes, Liverpool might be, uh, you know, far in the Champions League and have top four secured. So maybe, you know, a little bit distracted right at the end of the season. Spurs could be in a cup final that is dragging them. Obviously, Harry Kane out for a month. I mean, there's there's some things there that, that we have some some possibilities to make it happen. But like Nick said... We're not there saying, hey, if we win, we stay. We are now hoping for results to go our way. More pressure on us to not drop a point and hoping and waiting for someone else to. But uh, it, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. But it's uh, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some some definitely uh, some things to go our way, which really hasn't been the theme of the season, unfortunately. All right, so we got some questions about Murata. Uh, Max Applebaum saying that he's damn near has bloody knuckles for all the times he's knocked on wood when people said Murata's <laughs> back. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, one goal in in 2018, and, and he's back, right? He is on the path back. He is not. Uh, he he is a, a little bit of a reclamation project right now, and it was good to see him. Uh, going to a couple challenges in this game and to uh, play an, an extended period of time without you know conceding a yellow card and to score a goal with his feet. I, all of those are positive check boxes, Nick, to me. But they, it doesn't mean that he is you know now the absolute one hundred percent first choice. And uh, I think you know it still has a little bit of ways to go before he is. I think where he even would want to be in terms of his contributions to the club. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I think the the real positive today for me is not only him scoring, but then after he scored, he was, uh, you know, I think you saw his confidence lift tremendously. You know, had he not been offside for the for the back heel flick, almost upper 90 goal. I mean, that would have been one of the goals of the season. Um, 
just an incredible effort there. So look, we, we need him. Okay. For, for all who are just, you know, trying to pick one striker or the other to start every match. Like that's not the point. The point is that both of our strikers are scoring consistently. And there's a real question if we play both of them in a match, like that's the ideal scenario. So we, we get everybody scoring and, and we're a real threat against Liverpool and Spurs uh, to end the year. So uh, God willing, he's back um, and, and that he's trying to find some confidence. But uh, yeah, I would agree with Dan that, that it's not it's not quite there yet. Uh, so many questions on Baka Yoko or as Dan <laughs> so cleverly put Baka no, no. Um, the first one from Ayudeji asking, what is it going to take for Antonio Conte to stop forcing the issue with Bakayoko? The guy has been poor and yet he continues to get chances at the expense of more deserving players. Uh, question, who is more deserving at this point? I mean, Angolo Conte's in there. Fabregas. He's, he's not great in a two-man midfield. Oh, he yeah. doesn't really give you a whole lot lately. Look, I, I think the the starting Bakayoko today um, over someone like Drinkwater, if you were looking for that type of player, uh, you know, unless I'm missing something and and Drinkwater's hurt, which I very well could be. But I thought that was, I thought that was a clear uh, kind of uh, indication that uh, Conte doesn't favor Drinkwater. Um, you know, I don't think there's any any film or any sort of form guy that would tell you that uh, Bakayoko has been playing better than Drinkwater in the last, you know, however many months. You know, outside of a couple of decent performances at the beginning of the season, Bakayoko has been a liability. Drinkwater hasn't been fantastic, and Fabregas clearly has deficiencies on the defensive end. But I, I don't get this. I don't get forcing the issue with Bakayoko. I think one of the one of the clear hardest things for a player to take is being subbed in the first half or or at halftime. And he you know, that happened again to him. You know, he's he's a liability with the yellow and Dan, I, I don't know I don't know what it's gonna take for him to get back to being the confident destroyer that he was at Monaco, but it's it's not happening here right now. No, and I think the the other difficult thing is players in the the lone army, whether that be Loftus Cheek, whether that be you know uh, Van Ginkle, Mason Mount, um, have to be looking at what Bakayoko is doing right now, and and you know obviously a couple of them have different you know skill sets or abilities than you know what we would say are, are Bakayoko's towering strengths. But they have to be salivating at the idea and coming back next season and challenging to be uh, either a squad player or a first team midfielder because there is a lack of who do you put next to Angolo Conte right now. And, you know, I, I, I personally don't get excited for really any of the options. I mean, Fabregas is, is great at quarterbacking, but we've also seen him, you know, walk to a challenge in a couple of the past matches here when the game has been gone. And that doesn't necessarily inspire you with a ton of confidence. Um, you know, Drinkwater is you know, a, a good kind of lockdown rotational player that you could pop in, but I don't think he's a long-term uh, fit or solution regardless of the you know transfer fee. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the more exciting thing, it's sad and exciting. It's sad that he has not panned out to be what any of us would hope that he would be. 
Um, I think at this point you could write off what his season is and hope that through whether it be a, a new manager, whether it be a, a summer of extreme working out and, and, and diligence, um, he can level up his talents or that we can look at integrating members of our youth team that will challenge him and potentially get their opportunity to be starting players for Chelsea. Wait, isn't this the same argument as why Hazard stays on? Because he's got a much higher ceiling. I mean, Bakayoko's ceiling is way higher than Drinkwater's. And Fabregas is miserable in two man midfield. I'm not saying I'm not uh, I'm not saying he played well, but this is the same argument. Bakayoko's ceiling is way higher than the other guys we have as options. Yeah, the only thing oh, was but, is, is he his ceiling kind of caved in under the uh, the immense weight and pressure, and now the uh, it's missing a floor and it's having to be rebuilt at the top. So I, I don't know if we could argue that currently today that his ceiling is is anywhere where we thought it was previously. Right. So the the problem with your your uh, comparison there, Brandon, is that Eden Hazard has reached the heights of his game, right? Like we all know what Eden Hazard's ceiling is and it's you know almost limitless if he, you know, is able to kind of get the right mentality. At Chelsea, Bakayoko's played two or three good games out of his entire season. So like on form, his ceiling is what it looks like. You know, until until he goes and proves otherwise, uh, we don't know, you know, what who this player is going to be post injury last year. Like it could very well be that that injury is still hampering him and maybe his ceiling is still really high. But, uh, you know, I don't I don't see that comparison at all. We haven't seen Bakayoko at the top of his game, so it's impossible. That's an impossible thing to say. Well, sure. Obviously, at Chelsea, I mean, he was, you know, massive last season at Monaco, different environment, different league. You know, obviously, when things are going well, it's easy for other players to go well. It's just, um, you know, honestly, when I look at our like. I, yeah, he he did not do well today, and he isn't. He's one of those players that he gets on a yellow card. He's proven that he can't be trusted. Unfortunately, um, that is something that you would like a player to be able to do. That we've talked about multiple times this season. Uh, Christensen, you know, Conte, players like that can can have tough tackling games and still be under control. But you know, it's just it it's a it really sucks to be honest that he just hasn't been able to find anywhere close to the form that, that he showed with Monaco, and uh, it, that's a bummer because with Modric leaving, I think that a lot of Antonio Conte's plans were built around Bakayoko working, and they have it because if you kind of look at our midfield, we've had a lot of changes. Fabregas has been in a two-man midfield a lot. He's not comfortable. He doesn't like it. I'm sure Conte doesn't like putting him there. Drinkwaters came in when he's healthy. He's done all right. I mean, he had a couple good games, but he hasn't really done anything great. And so I think that we've talked about how how big of a hole we're missing in the midfield next to Conte. And, and I think that's where a lot of our issues have come this season. I think if everything went to Conte's plan, he would be playing a 3-5-2. And that's just not been you know an option. So um, anyways, just thank you to, you know, Neil, John, Jay, V-Factor, Jared Andre, Polly Cracker, uh, all throwing in questions about Bakioko and kind of where we're at. So uh, the next one, though, we do have kind of piggybacking off of the app of questions. Zechariah on Facebook saying, with a win and much needed goals from Marata and Pedro, what needs to happen to ensure a top four finish? Dan, it sounds like the biggest thing is we have to make up a five point gap, right? 
five point gap. We need uh, certain results to go our way, and we should be uh, actively rooting for Manchester City to beat Tottenham in a few weeks. And it's going to be tough because they could easily have the league done by then. I mean, best case scenario, they don't until that match, and they have so much to play for. That's my only concern: is that City could just be focused on Champions League exclusively at that point. So we'll have to see, Nick. Victor Moses, your your boy Vic is uh, under a little bit of heat lately. So at Ben J Ring saying, um, how do we feel about Moses in a season where a lot of players have underperformed? Moses has escaped a lot of criticism. He rarely beats his man, poor crosses, and extremely selfish at times. What are your thoughts on that? This season, obviously, Nick, I want to throw it to you because uh, you're a huge fan of him and understandably so. He's got a great story, had a great season last season. But do you think he's flying under their criticism radar this season? I think he's been he's been pretty poor, um, you know, on on the whole. Uh, He needs to get the crossing thing under control. And I think that's where in in limited moments, Zappacosta's outshone him this year. Certainly not on the defensive side, where I think Vic is a, a far superior player to Zappacosta. But uh, I, you know, he's not the same kind of buoyant attacking player this year that he was last year. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why the take-ons aren't there. You know, I, there's just no real threat coming from his side, so that puts all the pressure on the left and and Alonso and Hazard. And I, I think the the lack of balance that really hurts the team. So hopefully. Um, hopefully he's able to kind of figure out this in the off season, but I don't, I don't really see it changing that much before the end of the year, Dan. I, uh, I concur. And, uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, the form has been the way it is, but, uh, I mean, there, there have been other things like the striker situation, uh, and Hazard being, being in and out, um, Courtois recently, um, you know, other defenders uh, having issues that, you know, Victor Moses hasn't been the, the, you know, lightning rod issue that a couple others have been. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all again for their social media questions. Uh, fantastic stuff, as always. Obviously, really do appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and roll on to the match preview. Last chance, Nick. I mean, it's, it's now or never if you want to go to London with us for the Spurs match. Yep, uh, biggest match of the year. If you think about it, really, uh, we need these three points bad. We're going. XL Tours is uh, is coordinating everything. Um, it's going to be a blast. We're going to do a live show, which has now been confirmed uh, on the thirty first with with uh, the the Fancast guys and a bunch of our friends. It's going to be a blast. Uh, the Atlas Pub is a tremendous venue. We're also looking to do some other fun activities during the week. Um, uh, based around uh, based around the club and what we can do. So uh, look for, if you've already signed up, look for an email from Dan um, soon, uh, very soon, about the itinerary. Uh, if you haven't signed up and you have questions, please email us, contact at londonisbluepodcast.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, this is going to be a fun trip. We know the season hasn't gone exactly to form, uh, and that's okay. Uh, London is such a cool city that it it makes up for any sort of uh, a poor performance from the Chelsea. But um, we're hoping that we're going there to watch another win. And, uh, and yeah, it's going to be great. So please sign up uh, or let us know if you have any questions. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is essentially our match preview anyways. There's not much to talk about as the actual match goes. It's more about the experience we're going to be able to share with you guys while we're there if you were unlucky and not able to join us. So make sure you're following us on social media. We're going to be posting a ton of stuff. Uh, we're going to be meeting up with a lot of our friends over in London that we don't normally get to, to see. So make sure that uh, you just keep an eye out for a lot of that stuff. And I think we're going to have a couple of really cool surprises uh, to share with you guys that all. So again, the match will be Sunday, April 1st at Stanford Bridge. We will be there. Uh, Kane is out, which is big news. And really the last thing I want to touch on, Dan, which I thought was really, really funny from who scored. They are predicting there will be a low number of cards shown in this game. What in <laughs> the world are they thinking? They are also the same people that said Angola Conte was not a 10. Get so, uh, Get they are completely irrelevant. Whoa. Holy Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well. If, if anyone projecting low cards, um, minimal drama between the managers and the touchline uh, does not know what type of uh, London Derby that this is. And it will be uh, fireworks considering that both of these teams are in contention for returning to the Champions League next season. And... I, I almost would bet, you know, and, and we will be able to do this when we're over there, um, that someone gets sent off. I don't know which side, but I feel like there'll be a sending off in this game. I think it's going to be <laughs> absolutely tense. Danny Rose all day. Uh, so as far as our pending partnership with who scored, <laughs> I, I'm not sure about that now. Uh, look. This is going to be fun. Uh, I hope the atmosphere is just amazing. That's kind of why we picked this match as, as a, another one to go back to London for. This is something that I've been looking forward to since uh, the fixtures were announced and, and we said that we were going to go. So uh, I, I am looking forward a tremendous amount to the pre and post match atmosphere. During the match, we, we are guaranteed to have a, a cracker on our hands. I hope the team show up play with passion, play with pride, uh, get the 6-0 win that we all deserve and uh, and get out of there uh, looking ahead to uh, to some more matches. So uh, it should be fun. Uh, we are so excited to be there in person. And, uh, and, man, up the blues. Come on. All right. Well, that will wrap us up for another episode of our podcast. Appreciate you guys hanging in there listening to us, uh, trying to push out the good vibes before we head out there. So it was really nice of Chelsea to uh, get some momentum going. Unfortunately, next week is an international break week. So we'll keep you posted on what we do for that weekend. Uh, and then, like we said, back to the Premier League action. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop... Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.